Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manesh, coming to you live on location from the jungle in Mexico. If you hear birds in the background, well, that's why. On today's show, we're talking about the main areas that owners run into trouble with contractors. There are five areas that I see over and over again. In some cases, these learnings have been the result of firsthand experience, and there's nothing more humbling than making a mistake when you really know better. I believe it's really important to get references when selecting a contractor. My favorite source of references are from architects. They get to experience a wide range of contractors over an extended period of time. Over time, they figure out who's good and who's not. So here are the top five problem areas when developing contracts with a GC. Number one, the scope. A clear list of project timelines and deliverables has got to bridge the gap between the client and contractor. The larger the scale of the project, the more important it is to get the nuts and bolts of the details, get that correct. Sometimes the wording of the contract specifies the work to be performed. In other cases, it specifies the finished results. There's a huge difference between effort and results. The wording of the contract needs to specify the results, the quality of finishes, and the materials to be used. These written specs are of vital importance. Otherwise, the contractor could pull quality out of your project in order to maximize their profit margin. This section has got to include very clear definitions of all the tasks, the deliverables, the due dates, the budgets, how modifications are to be made, and how approvals are signed off. When things run into trouble, it's rarely because all of a sudden drywall was 10% more expensive. It's because an entire category of work was missed altogether from the scope of the project. This first area is by far the number one area where I see problems in contracts. Number two, payments. Having some clear rules for both fees and costs. You've got to always make sure the rules are clear in the contract for how the work is to be paid, what costs are recovered, and how and when the payments to be made. This section's got to include clear definition of all the potential services, service fees, expenses, invoicing terms, and timeline the payment due dates and late fees, and any collection costs. If you've got a contractor asking for arbitrary payment terms, run the other way. If the contractor is asking for too much money up front, run the other way. Payment terms have got to follow industry standard practices of payment in the form of draws. The completion sign-off of each phase is subject to inspection. The process for managing change orders has got to be clearly spelled out. An error in the scope definition by the contractor is actually the contractor's problem. But of course, if the error is too big, the problem may fall back in your lap as the property owner. Number three, purchasing. As a developer, it's helpful for you to explain how purchasing is going to work in the project. Make sure you've got a complete understanding of how the financial controls are going to be put in place at the start of the contract. This section's got to include the explanation of terms regarding the process of ordering from vendors, advance payment, freight, warehousing, delivery, installation, all these different things have to be spelled out. Number four, termination. Protect your right to walk away from a project. Include cause, notice, right to suspend performance, and right to drop a project. Then you could fire someone for cause or just give them notice for convenience. Either one. Now, if you're firing someone for cause, it could be a failure to perform, failure to communicate, or a major change in circumstances. These are the types of things that you might want to consider as a valid reason for terminating a relationship. If it's just a notice, then you've got to have a clearly spelled out notice period in the contract. There's also what is known as a cure period. 
notice and cure are contractual provisions that allow someone who is in breach to make a good faith effort to repair the breach or somehow fix things. Make sure the cure period is clearly spelled out and the notice period is clearly spelled out. And number five, this is my favorite, these are liens. The process of collecting a construction draw, paying the general contractor, and in turn ensuring the subcontractors get paid is an essential part of the process. You've got to ensure you get a lien waiver from the subs before they get paid. I've seen numerous circumstances where a contractor's been paid and the GC in turn did not pay the subs. The property owner is stuck paying for the same work twice because the subs haven't been paid and they're putting a lien on the property. This could be easily prevented with a proper process for handling payment. Lien waivers are an essential part of the process and in the heat of the project, this is an easy step to skip. As you're thinking about all these things, make sure you don't skip steps in the contract process. The effort to unwind a problem is many times the effort required to paper things up properly. In the meantime, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.